so good to have everybody. Um, let's start out today. I want to get started, <clears throat> start out with Nehemiah chapter 4. My heart, um, I knew what I was going to be talking about today. Um, it's been a while now since God has just put family, our families, on my heart today. Um, and so I'd like to start with Nehemiah chapter 4. Before I read, let me set the stage for you just a little bit. It's approximately 586 B.C. And as part of the Babylonian exile <clears throat> empire, Jerusalem was almost completely destroyed. And the Jews were brought into captivity. And after then the fall of the Babylonian Empire uh, to the Persian Empire, the Persian king, after 70 years of the Jews being exiled, the king, Persian king, allowed the remaining Jews to return to their devastated homeland. Being gone that long, Nehemiah asked the king and, and was allowed to go back to his home and rebuild Jerusalem rebuild the wall that goes around Jerusalem, all the way completely around it, because through the war, through the battle, it had been torn down. It had been, you know, um, broken down. And under Nehemiah's guidance, they were rebuilding the wall, and they were just like going gangbusters. I mean, like, it was being built faster than anybody could imagine. It was very, very quick. But before that they could finish, there were still these openings in the wall, you know, that needed to be repaired and built and everything still yet. There were uh, these openings where the enemy could breach and come in to the city. And when the neighboring cities, the enemies of the Jews, saw this unbelievable progress that was being made on the wall... They started forming together. They began to bully up. They began to get teams together and neighbors together. And, and they began to throw out threats and started forming together and, and threatening the Jews to kill them. And so now Nehemiah starts preparing the Jews not only to build the wall now, but as they work, and hear me, as they are working in one hand, they've got the tool to build. In the other hand, they are to carry the sword. Ever felt like that before? You know, um, you have to go to work, but your kid's sick. You have to go to work, but the car's broken down. You know, you, you, the bank account's negative. It's not just low. It's negative. And, and the house payment's overdue, and, and your boss is hating on you. And all the while, you got to work. You got to work. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? Just nod your head or something. If you want to, just say, wave your hand. Right here in the middle so they can see on the camera. Wave your hand. You guys are here, right? Yeah, I'm messing with you. Nehemiah knew that a better plan had to be put together. And so in Nehemiah, and this is now where we get to our reading, in Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 13 and 14, says, So I stationed armed guards. And this is where I'm going to be speaking from today for the rest of the message. 
he, he stationed armed guards at the most vulnerable places of the wall. And I want you to listen to what he says, and assigned people by families with their swords and with their spears and, and, and with their bows. And after looking things over, Nehemiah says, I stood up and I spoke to the nobles, officials, and everyone else. Don't be afraid of them. Put your minds on the master. Put your mind in, on God, great and awesome God. And then, what's he say? Fight for your brothers. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your wives. Fight for your homes. And it goes on down into verse 19 and verse 20. It's, Nehemiah says, there's a lot of work now that's going on here. And we're all spread out along this wall, all along the, around the whole city. And we're kind of separated. We're, we're split apart because we're in these different areas. So when you hear the trumpet, when you hear the trumpet call, come join us. Because that's where the enemy's breaching. And it says, God, what does it say? God will fight for us. So Nehemiah had families. He had families stand on guard in all of the openings and, and the gates of the wall all around the city. You talk about <laughs> defeated. The Jews knew what it was like to be defeated. They had just gotten out of 70 years of captivity only to come back to their homes, uh, which were in shambles anyway. And they're finally returned and, and, and making great progress, rebuilding the wall around just to fortify everything that's going on. And now their lives and future home are being threatened once again. But look what Nehemiah does here. As the enemy plans to, to come in, bully them and kill them and keep them from rebuilding, Nehemiah calls on the family unit. And he places families on the wall. To stand guard at, at the different openings and the gates uh, uh, of the wall all around the city. He's counting on the strength, hear me, of the family. Like, like the parishes. You get out over on that west opening. And you make sure you're, you're standing on guard for that area. The Edwards family, you know, now that you guys are getting close, you know, to each other. You know, you get to, get next to them. Get right next to them. Get to the opening that's right next to that. And the Loki family on the south gate and the, and, the, and the Brown family, you double up with the Loki family, make sure that that gate is fortified and kept and sealed and everything. And Sisneys and Edgars, you guys get together on, on the big opening on the southwest side. And the Thacker family, there's a big gaping hole on the north side. And I want you to seal it off. And I want you to stand on guard. And I want you to fight. He knows the enemy approaches, when the enemy approaches the west opening, the parish family standing guard with their swords and their spears and, and Nolan and West. I'm talking about the family. Nolan and West, they got their bows and their arrows and they're ready. And then also with the Edwards right there close by, if something would happen, Clayton and Austin, they go grab and they go help uh, Nolan and Austin. And while Sam and Sue are jumping in and helping, you know, Jenna and Chris get things covered. And Nehemiah is counting on the fact that 
when the end, and this is so unbelievable, the, the amount of responsibility that, that he, he was holding to the family. When the, the Nehemiah was counting on the fact that when the enemy comes in, Jenna, mama's going to make sure, ain't nobody touching my kids. You get next to my kids and, and whoom, there's the sword. And, and then Chris, if somebody gets next to my girl, if somebody gets next to my wife, I'm going to take care of my kids. I'm going to take care of you. And as they stand on guard and fight to keep the opening sealed, otherwise the enemy would just come in and breach the opening and occupy their home and kill them all. Guys, in our world today, in our culture today, in many cases... Um, our families have been, like the Jews, battered by the enemy. Um, they previously defeated in captivity for 70 years. Only for us, our enemies are things like self-centeredness. Our enemies are, are you know, we only think about ourselves and what, what we want. And, and it's all about us. And, and our enemies are like discontentment. Like there's never enough. I got to do this. I got to get more. I got to get more. It's, our enemies are like disobedient to parents and, and lack of discipline for our children. And, and, and pride that comes up in our heart and addiction and, and sexual uh, uh, perversion and affairs and separation and divorce. Those are our enemies. These enemies have eaten away at the family values from generation to generation. To, to the point that many don't even realize that their foundation is, is crumbling around them. Uh, that their, their homes are being destroyed. That, that they live in captivity of the enemy. It happens, though. It happens to uh, all of us. It's so subtle. I mean, we almost don't realize it's happening because it happens over a long period of time. How many know what I'm talking about? I remember whenever I was just a young boy. <clears throat> you may not believe this, that I only had one friend whose parents, whose parents had gotten a divorce. One friend whose parents had gotten a divorce. I, I really remember my feelings for this little guy. I remember he was my buddy. I, I really felt for him. I was wondering what it was like to have him watch the two people that loved him the most, uh, uh, who, who he loved, argue and fight and separate right before his eyes. I remember thinking, is, is this little guy safe? Is, is he okay? Is he going to be good? Today, though, probably half the people that you know, either they or their parents, have been divorced, and in many cases, many times over. From generation to generation, there's been a decay of the family unit that was designed, that is designed by God. And I just hit on divorce. That's just one of the enemies facing our homes. Can you imagine Nehemiah having those expectations that he had back then for us today? As he orders out, okay. Put family so-and-so on this side. Put family so-and-so on this side. And this, this guy says, oh, that might not work, Nehemiah. You see, the husband couldn't get along with the wife, and so the dad's gone. But what do you think? What do you think if maybe 
we just put the wife out there, the mom out there with the kids, just let them fight for themselves. What am I saying here today? Nehemiah was counting on the family as a unit to rebuild that city. Satan found out a long time ago the strength and the importance of the home. And from generation to generation, he's done everything possible to to tear away at the family and to tear it apart, knowing, knowing it provides strength. Knowing it provides support, strength and support to help each other, each individual thrive and ultimately, and ultimately fulfill God's pro- our, our purposes in our lives. You see, even the enemy knows that family matters. Family matters. I know that I have ripped that off from the, from the old sitcom you guys don't know that's the Urkel one, you know? Did I do that? But for the message today, I'm stealing the title. Family, your family matters. Family matters. God's word says that if you'll stand on guard for your home, if you'll fight for your family, God will fight for you. I have a question for you today. Is your home worth fighting for? Is your family worth fighting for? In these last days, the attack on our homes are only going to get worse. And what I want you to hear from me today, just for a moment, is I believe, according to what I read, according to what I study, what I understand in Scripture, these are the last days that we're living in. The values that we treasure, the values that we hold so dear are under attack And I believe, I believe family matters. Your home is worth standing on that wall for. Your marriage is worth fighting for. Your children are worth fighting for. We have to take a stand for our children, for our marriages, for our values, for our homes. I want to start today by giving you a a few quick but key observations I'm going to run through these pretty quickly before I give you some ways that you can stand on that wall, that you can fight for your family. And Nehemiah said in, in, to his enemies, Nehemiah 2, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 20, it says, The God of heaven himself will prosper us. He's there for us. He's going to prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. And now he's talking to the enemy. But you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. My first observation is, it's my home, not the enemy's. It's my home, not yours, Satan. He said, we're, Nehemiah says, we're building the wall of our city because we're going to build our families. We're going to build our homes, and said to the enemy, he says, you have no portion here. We, we, he, he went on to say, the city doesn't belong to you. The, this home doesn't belong to you. My family doesn't belong to you. The God of heaven, he will help us. He will prosper us. I, I apologize 
family means so much to me. And I apologize for, for hollering loudly. I don't mean to scare anybody. But this, this subject means the world to me. It means the world to me, not just for my own family, but for your family, Heath, and for your family, Jason. You guys have been on my heart. My second observation is that what you commit to is key. When I, met with, when I meet with couples before they get married, I always overemphasize two things. One, first, you've got to make a commitment to God. And secondly, you got to make a commitment to your spouse. you got to make a commitment to your family. you got to make a commitment to your marriage. Because if, listen to me, if you have any compromise in your commitment to God or your family, you've gotten off the wall. You, you, you've, you've let down your guard. You've, you've left the opening unprotected. And the enemy will move in and divide and conquer if you compromise just a little bit, you, you've just left the welcome mat out for the enemy. And trust me, he'll come barging right in without asking. But God's word says, if you will commit to him first and stand guard for your family, if you'll fight for your sons, if you'll fight for your daughters, if you'll fight for your spouse, if you'll fight for your home, then God will fight for you. The only thing... That should come before your home. The only thing is God himself. If the home is the number one priority for hell, shouldn't it be the, the number one priority for us? Where's your allegiance today? How far down is God or your family on your list? Another quick observation is it's not too late for your family. I want everybody to let that sink in real good. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what's happened. It's not too late for your family. Nehemiah, listen to me. Nehemiah rebuilt that wall. Nehemiah rebuilt his home. Crystal and I saw the wall that he rebuilt. It's still standing there today. They, they go pray at that wall every single day. You see, there was a man who took a stand and said, you know what? We're going to fight for our home. We're going to fight for our family. The next key observation that I have is that my family is worth it. My family's worth it. Your families are worth it. It's not easy it's not easy to hold your family together. It's not easy to raise children these days. Everything, everything seems to be pointed against the family. Everything seems to be against the home. Satan is on the rampage. He's seeking whom he may devour. His ultimate goal, guys, is, is to destroy the church. And I'm not talking about this building. I'm talking about the children of God. That's his ultimate goal. But I'm going to tell you something. He can't destroy the church without first infiltrating the home. But when we decide that our family is a cause worth fighting for, God said he will fight for us. So stand on that wall and fight for your home. And dear God, don't give up on your kids. Uh, uh, fight for your spouse. Fight for your kids. It may be 
a crazy thought to have children in these days, to raise them in this world. But don't be afraid because we have a promise. No weapon that is formed against the home that's built on the rock will prosper. My, my, my last quick observation is be sincerely grateful for your family, for your home. I thank God for my family. I thank God for my home. I'm so blessed to have Crystal as the love of my life, and, and, and we've been abundantly blessed that God has given us Devin and Tara and Indy and Lila and Roman and then Dustin and Jenna and, and little Miss Hadley, and, and, and maybe we'll see. <laughs> you guys thought I was going to deliver some information. I'm telling you, the happiest times of my life are when I'm with my family. Uh, 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 enjoy, enjoy your home, guys. Enjoy your family. Because while the enemy wants to do everything he can to divide us, to, 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 to ruin us, to make our marriages miserable, to make the relationships with each other, our own family members miserable, we are on to him. We, 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 get, we know he's heard what's going on here, and he's seeing us rebuild, and, and he's gathering the, the troops, and he's trying to come around us and everything. But I'm so grateful for, for my family. I'm going to stand on guard on that wall for them. I, I'll rip and I'll slash and I'll tear. I don't care if somebody's coming after my kids. I'm going after them. I'm fighting for my family, Nehemiah said. Get up and fight for your family, and God himself will fight for us. I told you I've been thinking about all of you families, and I love you all so very much as your pastor. I told you a few weeks ago to expect a fight. There, there's there's going to be a fight, but we're going to win. But we're going to win. So I want to give you a few things to help you win, to help you stand on that wall, to help you fight for your family. And the first one is that you have to be, you have to be, you have to be all in. All in. All in. It's going to cost you something to hold on to your family. It's going to cost you something to hold on to the, the, your children, keep your children together. It's going to cost you something to hold on to your marriage and keep it together. There was this man, he was a, the president of a Christian college, and his wife was the host of a successful radio station program, but he, he began to experience, or she began to experience memory failure. It turned out to be Alzheimer's. And so the president approached his college board of trustees and asked them to begin looking for his replacement because his wife, when she needed him full-time, he was going to be there for her. With eight years left to go uh, before retirement, his friends urged him to arrange for his wife to be put in a home. That, 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 that she would be okay and, and she would get used to it. But he couldn't let it go and just kept asking himself over and over and over again, would anyone love her there? Much less love her like I do. She couldn't speak in sentences, only words, and often her words made no sense. But she had one sentence down and she could say it often, I love you. I love you. College board arranged for a companion to stay with the wife so that he was able to go to the office. But it was just so hard to keep her there, keep her at home when he left, that she would, she would set out after him. 
Isn't that precious? The, the, the walk to the college was like a mile round trip from, from their house. And his wife would make that trip as many times as 10 times a day. Sometimes even at night she would do it. And when he would help her undress in the evening and take her shoes off, her feet would be all bloody from the walk. Someone said, she, she doesn't even know your name. And he said, you know what? The important thing is, I know hers. He said, I made a commitment in sickness and in health. So he, he, he resigned his presidency to take care of his wife full time. And several years had passed since he had resigned. And his wife had steadily declined so that now that she rarely spoke at all. And she sits most of the time while he writes. And yet she is content and often would bubble out in laughter. He said, she still seems to have affection for me. What, what more could I ask? I have a home that's full of love and full of laughter. Many couples with their wits about them don't have that. She's very lo lovable and, and more dear to me now than ever, he said. When she reaches out to me in the night or smiles contentedly and lovingly as she wakes, I thank the Lord for his grace to us, and I ask him to let me keep her. Guys, no matter what comes our way, it's, it's my spouse. It, it, it's my children. I'm all in. I'm all in until death do us part. It might not be easy, and it might cost you something. Many of our children know very well the story of Noah's Ark, and I know you do too. In Genesis, God told Noah to build an ark, and his parents, guys, this is so important. It's our responsibility. In Genesis, God said to Noah, when he built the ark, it was to save his family. That's, that's, that's kind of our responsibility as parents. A little over 2,300 years later after Noah's Ark, Jesus said in Matthew 24, 37, when the Son of Man returns, it'll be like it was in Noah's day. You see, Noah built an ark to save his family, and Jesus came and he died to save his family. Jesus is our ark. Before God destroyed everything with the flood, Noah made sure, listen to me, Noah made sure, who was Noah? Noah was the daddy. He made sure that every single one of his family members was on that ark before God shut that door. Noah made sure that the ones that he loved the most were saved. And I say to the parents today, make sure your family, make sure your kids get on the ark. Jesus came and he died and he rose so that we, we could be saved. Make sure that your sons and your daughters are saved. When the door closed on the ark, Noah was going down it. You know, okay, my wife's here. You know, my, my, my boys are here. Their wives are here. All accounted for. Noah, Noah being the father made sure his family was all on the ark. And that's exactly what we're called to do. We're supposed to stand on that wall and fight for our families. Don't leave it up to the pastor to help save your kids. Don't leave it up to the leaders of the church. Don't leave it up to somebody else. In fact, dads, don't even leave it up to mom, you know? Don't leave it up to mom to do your praying, to drag you to church. Take a stand on that wall. Take responsibility. Get a backbone. 
Dads, make sure your family is on the ark. Joshua said, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. Another way that we can take a stand on that wall, another way that we can fight for your family is continually worship God and pray for your kids. In Job chapter 1, verse 5, Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. In other words, based on the number of children that he had, thus did Job continually. Job would pray and offer a sacrifice for each child every single day. Every single day. He'd sacrifice and he'd pray for child number one. And then he'd sacrifice another animal and pray for child number two. And he had ten children. And Job did this every single day. Job was constantly standing on the wall for his family. He, he was saying, you know what, demons, you know, wrong, wrong relations, you know what, divorce, you know what, drugs and alcoholism, get away from my family in Jesus' name. One after the other, every single day, people say, oh, Steve, that's old school. You call it whatever you want to call it. Go ahead and put your trust in a psychology or a man or whatever. Put your trust in books that were written by people that didn't even have children. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I've seen the old school stuff work with my own eyes. I think I've... Crystal, I know, shared this with the Boost group a couple weeks ago. But my little niece, she was like one year old, sitting in her high chair trying to eat. And her eyes, Jen, were just sunk into her face. And her hair was like falling out by clumps. And, and, and just, it was a horrible sight to see. Horrible. You don't want to see any child go through this. I pray for all of your children. And, and God would just protect them and be with them. But... This, this child, her name was Jennifer, and she, she was just, she wouldn't eat. And when she would eat, she'd bring it back up. It was just horrible. And so they lived in Chicago, and we were there visiting with them. And my grandfather and my grandmother came, and my grandfather had had enough of this. He laid his hands on her, and he prayed. And I'm telling you, as true as I'm standing here in front of you, Immediately after that prayer, they gave her some food on her little tray, and she started scarfing it up, and she was eating it up, and she just kept going, and she still hasn't stopped today. She is as healthy, I'm telling you. Anybody who knows her knows I'm telling the truth, and I'm telling you, I told this story. I told this, this, this miracle story to my buddy and his wife. We were sitting at a restaurant, and he was having some issues with, and I didn't say this for any reason. I was just telling him the story, and he had been dealing with kidney stones. How many have ever had kidney stones? Nobody in here? Yeah, right here. Oh, my gosh. You all need to have kidney stones once. No. No, 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 no. I wouldn't wish it on Charlie Manson. I'm telling you, that, that is the worst pain anybody's ever had. I'm telling you, it's just horrible. And so he's going through this, and we're having dinner, and, and I'm telling him this story. And I'm telling you, I felt the presence of God, just like I felt it when I was telling you a second ago. I felt the presence of God come over me and, and just, just felt it, you know. And he gets up, and he goes to the restroom. And when he came back, he goes, man, 
I feel relief. And every day since then, I ask him, how you doing? I feel great. It's never happened. I don't, I don't have any pain at all. No discomfort, nothing. While I'm telling the story, God touches him. Today, even today, there's a family here that, that the, the wife can't be here because her, her father or grandfather is going through the whole COVID situation. And, and they, they asked him, they said, can, would you, can we take you to the hospital? Can we take you to the doctor? And he said, no. Lay, he said this, lay hands on me and pray for me. And I'm telling you, if I'm telling the truth, I don't know, let me know. But I've heard that as soon as they laid hands on him, he started to feel better. He started to feel, you know, the fever started to diminish and things started to happen in the right way. Am I telling the truth? It's amazing. Amazing what God can do. I've seen it with my own eyes. Listen, your kids, they might rebel. They may stray down the wrong path. But if, if you're consistent in your prayer for your kids, there's nothing that God can't keep them from. There's nothing that God can't forgive them from. If, if you'll fight for your family, God will fight for you. Why don't we take a minute and just give him praise for that right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's not leave it to the enemy to raise our kids or game systems or Hollywood or whatever. We need to have a sacrificial time of prayer every day for our child, for our children. Parents, that's your responsibility to cover them with prayer every single day. There was a man in scripture who had 70 children uh, all combined, like children, grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And, and his name was Obed-Edom in scripture and his is a man who moved the ark, listen to me, moved the ark of the covenant into his home. The ark of the covenant represented and carried the power and the presence of God Almighty. For three months, it stayed in his home. To, to, to say it another way, he brought God into his home. And this is a great way to fight for your family, is bring God into your home. Bring God into your home. King David danced around the ark, but Obed-Edom brought God into his home. In Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 6, it says, The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months. And listen what it says, And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all of his household. I want to just, we, we read stuff and it just it goes by. But it says, And all of his household. Now, I want, to, I want you to listen to this. All 70 of his children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, were so blessed, so touched by God that every one of them, without failure, every one of them worked and served in the temple. All 70 of them, the blessings flowed from generation to generation. And I want to say to all of you, stand on guard and fight and fight for your kids. As parents and uncles and aunts and grandparents, whether they like it or not, stay in their business. Stay in their lives. When you need to take a stand, be courageous and correct them. Give them some correction. Even if it hurts, stand on that wall for them. Kids are going, no. Hush it up. They may go nuts. They may get mad. But if you've raised them in the house of God to serve the Lord... 
if you've brought God into your home and into your life, there's something that happens. They just can't stay away. We know the story of the prodigal son. He had everything in his father's house. He left, went his own way, got himself caught into the pig pen. And that's, by the way, what happens every time you leave the father. Found himself caught in this pig pen. And he says, you know what? It's better. I could be a servant in my mom and my dad's house. And then, you know, better off than this. Listen, parents, there's nothing more important, nothing more important than what you're doing right now. Right now. Being right here in church, nothing. It's more important than anything else. Now, I want to just say this. I feel sorry for our sports lovers because I'm always ragging on the sports lovers. And there's a reason for that. I pick on, 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 it seems like sports a lot, and I don't want anyone here, I don't want anyone hear me, I don't want anyone here thinking I'm picking on you. It's just that I personally battled with this one. You can ask my wife, you can even ask my kids. I personally battled. I know the grip that sports can have on you. It had a grip on me. And listen to me. It's not about sports. It could be anything. It could be work. It could be entertainment. It, it could be a relationship that, that's dragging you down. But what you're doing right now as parents is more important than anything being here in the house of God. You may be thinking, ah, oh, you're just an old guy, which is true. You're, you're just out of touch, which is not true. I'm telling you right now. Beware of what seems like these just innocent distractions that take you and your children away. Your child needs to be in the house of God. There's a lot of things that we don't do for ourselves. But parents, I'm going to ask you and beg you, stand on the wall for them. Fight for them. Every time we get up and bring them to church, every time we open the Bible to read, every time we pray with them, you're saying, my family matters to me. Is God present in your home? The Bible says that when we provide a place for him, when we fight for our families, he will fight for us. I just want to encourage all of you dads and moms to not give up. Not give up. If, if the enemy has come in like a flood, Listen, Crystal and I know what that's like. It's usually, it's not just one thing. It's when one thing happens, all of a sudden, boom, 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 it all starts piling on. Just like I was talking about before where the enemy starts, you know, he's a bully, man. He likes to go get and do all these different things and grab these different things that he knows going to get at you, and he just piles it on you. His strategy is to destroy your family. He'll start dividing you first with your thoughts, and you're not on the same page lately all of a sudden with your spouse or with your, with your kids. And once he's got you divided, he begins to, to take over. He begins to conquer. Pastor Dustin, I don't know, he was late teens, maybe 20, I don't know, was going through a time when the enemy was trying to divide and conquer the Steve Thacker home. And Crystal and I were on our knees multiple times in the day, up in the middle of the night praying, sometimes praying while we're combing the streets and looking for him. 
because he wasn't home. You see, my family, my family matters. I, 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 and we're, we're fighting with everything we had for our son. When you're fighting for your child and when you're fighting for those college students, when addiction is trying to get a hold of them, when the wrong crowd is trying to pull you in, that's when you get you got to get to praying. That's when you hit your knees. That's when you open the Bible. And that's when you claim the promises of God. And this is a good one today. This promise here that if you'll fight for your kids, God will fight for you. Don't give up. I'm wrapping this up today. Someone said up to 15 years old, they'll do what you tell them to do. And then after 15, they do what you showed them to do. Invite God into your home. Bring God into your home, not just in words, but in deeds, in what you do. Be a Christ-like example for them. It's so important that you understand the impact that you have on your children. And as we said a couple weeks ago, it'll impact not just your children, but your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. I heard a story about this attorney who had a bit of an alcohol problem, who was a very successful attorney. And every day he would, uh, you know, uh, be on his way to the office. He would walk on the streets of Chicago past this bar. And he would slip in for his morning fix. And then he'd go back over to the office. And every day he would do this. And one winter morning, as the snow was falling on his way to work, he heard a noise that was, came from behind him. He turned around. He saw his six-year-old little boy behind him. Now, I know what that's like. Uh, I cannot get out of the house without Hadley following me. If my keys rattle, she's behind me. If I got my bag with the computer, she's behind me. If she thinks I'm getting ready to walk out the door, hold on, Poppy, I'll be there. Hold on, hold on. And she comes over, and she will, in fact, she gets out the door before I get out the door almost. And she loves to go down the elevator with me, and she loves to go into the garage, and she'll ride, she drives my car, Heath, to, to the opening of the garage door, and then she gets out, and I hand her to Crystal. I know what it's like. This father had him following, but, but this daddy, he looks behind him, and he saw his boy. Somehow he had slipped away from his mother and gotten away out of the house. And when he looked back, his son was carefully stepping in dad's footsteps. And you, he said you could see, because there were longer strides. He had, like the, and then he'd step like that. And he's watching his son carefully step in his footsteps and it hit him like a ton of bricks as he's standing just outside the door of that bar as that little boy was carefully stepping in every one of daddy's footsteps he was feeling the weight of responsibility and convicting his heart and he ran back and he lifted this boy up off the ground and he ran home and he hands him to his mother and he goes downstairs and he fell to his knees and he began to weep and oh God he said help me to never again allow my footsteps to lead my child to a bar but help me to let my footsteps lead him to you shall we stand today
want to ask you a question today. Where are your footprints leading? I promise you this. I promise you. All that's going to matter when you're nearing the end is where did my footprints lead them? I promise you. If you're leading your child to Jesus, if you're leading them to serve him above everything else, prioritizing him above all, then you're leaving the greatest legacy any parent could ever, ever leave their child. The children used to sing the song, be careful, little feet, where you go. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. None of you know that song. Which is kind of a shame. We won't get into that today. But really, I think that song should not be for kids. It should be for the adults. It's like, be careful, big feet, where you go. Be careful, big eyes, what you see. Because where the big feet go, the little feet are going to follow. Listen to me very, very closely, parents. They are innocently, and I try to say, I don't know a better word for this, but they are innocently in complete reliance as I see that child in Lauren's hands and arms. She's just completely innocent in relying upon mommy to hold her safely. And, and, and I'm telling you, your children are innocently relying on you for direction. You are responsible for them. And like Noah, make sure your family, all of them, gets on the ark. If all you do is, as parents is talk the talk, And I think of parents who say, I told you to do this. I told you. And all they do is rag on their kids all day long. Is rag on them. Yell at them. Telling them what to do. The right ways to go. They will instinctively see, trust me, the hypocrisy when they're older. And it will turn them away from you. It'll turn them away from God. Where the big hearts are devoted and dedicated, the little hearts are going to follow. Regardless, I'm speaking to, I don't care what age, you know, regardless of your the age of your parent of the parents whether it's you know you're a grandparent or your parent if you're hearing me today we need to continually ask ourselves this question where 
are my footprints? Where are my footprints? Where are they leading my children? Where are they leading my grandchildren? Guys, my family, my family matters. Your family matters. Never give up on them. I don't care how young, I don't care how old you are, I beg you today, stand on that wall for them. Fight for your son, fight for your daughters, marriage for your grandchild. If you don't, who else will? Don't give up on them. Listen, if your kids have to ask you, hey, mom, dad, are we going to church today? I want you to stop right now, you know? That's a sign that you don't look down at the direction of your feet. That's a sign that I'm begging you to look down at the direction of your feet. Where are you leading them? If they have to ask, it's a, it's a sign that the big feet are not leading in the right direction. Guys, listen, I know, I, I know, I know this is tough love this morning, today. I, I know this is tough teaching. I know that this is kind of hard-nosed today. But my family matters to me. And this stuff will save your families. I'd rather, listen to me close, I'd rather have my sons, my daughters, my grandkids serving God than any amount of success in this world that, they, that, that this world could offer them. I don't care what it is. I can lay my head on the pillow at night and just be so completely at peace for that reason alone. I don't care. You can take every penny. You can take my job away. You can take my home away. You can take anything. But I'll tell you right now, as long as that's in place, I can sleep like a baby. Serving God. More important, living for Him, loving Him. More important than any success this world could offer. Where are your feet and your footprints leading today? I feel so strongly about this today. I feel so strongly for our families today, for our homes that are under attack. The enemy is devastating you today, but I want you to know something. Take a stand and fight today because your family matters. Your family matters. And if you do, God will fight for you.